Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. little trouble locating it. Small book. Just a very short one. Only five chapters long. First 10 verses of verse of chapter 3. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. And my brethren, these things ought not so to be. May the Lord add his blessing to this portion of his word. Let us unite together in prayer. Father, we have experienced your presence in our midst, and the power of the Spirit has tugged at our hearts. May that continuing bond of love and fellowship that has brought us together be evident throughout the remainder of this service together and go with us from this house of worship to our homes and lift us up throughout the week. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Keep your Bible open there, if you will, to that passage of Scripture. I want to begin by reading verse 1 from the Good News Bible. Listen to and follow there in your King James, which you probably have. Listen to the the difference, but uh, the, the similarity between the two translations. When the Good News says, My brethren, not many of you should become teachers. As you know, we teachers will be judged with greater strictness than others. When I was preparing this message some time ago, that that shook me. Physically, and certainly mentally, I I wasn't sure I wanted to even use this passage of Scripture because it certainly was speaking to me. I want to use the subject, reaching spiritual maturity. And as I sat this morning, going uh, through my notes and meditating on this Scripture again, I wrote in pencil across the top of my notes, Mature Christian Leadership. 
That might be a better title for this message. I'm not sure. One of the things that always makes me wonder when there comes an election time is why does a person want to be president of the United States? It's beyond my wildest imaginations that any man or woman would desire to put himself or herself in a position to receive the abuse and the criticism and the tremendous burden that must go with that awesome office. And I recall particularly John F. Kennedy, a young man when he went into office, but in a few months had the darkest, blackest circles around his eyes that I had ever seen on anyone, and I realized it was because of the tremendous responsibility that, were, that was upon his shoulders. I think sometimes we would be better off if we didn't run for office but waited for somebody to come after us and say, we must have you. And there have been a few people who have done that in yeah, even for the presidency, but for the most part, there are those who come out and say, I want to do it, and why? Why would they say, I want to? Well, I think it's probably because they, they are committed to something. They are concerned about our government, or let's put it down now where I really want to be, within the church. And we need people who will come forth and assume positions of leadership. But there is a caution that comes quickly out of the Good News Bible that not many of us ought to want to hold these positions of responsibility because upon the shoulders of those very same people is going to be placed a tremendous responsibility and consequently a tremendous judgment upon what they do or fail to do. And it's upon this that I think we need to, to look this morning. The Pharisees were a group of people who always wanted to put themselves out in front. We might ask, why did they want to be leaders? And the response comes through the scripture. They wanted to be in positions of leadership that they could be seen and heard by everybody and great heaps of praise, hopefully, would be showered down upon them. And Jesus was more critical, I suppose, of the Pharisees than, than any other group of people uh, throughout the, the New Testament. I've been in front of my television when the cameras have been faced upon some great party in Hollywood and all the celebrities are getting out of their limousines with their finest apparel and going into the ballroom or wherever they're going and they are all smiles and beautifully dressed and I think they simply are attending that function in order that they might be seen. There is something wrong somewhere that's hard to put the finger on for people who want to be in positions that they might be seen or that they might be heard unless there is a real concern deep down that they are going to accomplish something in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said, of whom much is given, uh, to whom much is given, of him shall much be required. And that causes me to shudder to think that as pastor, I am in a position where much is expected. And the same thing is certainly is true throughout the church. Some people, I think, want to be masters, if we use the, the King James word, in order that they might be lords. And this carries a negative connotation. A leader in any organization, and most certainly within the church, is expected to be above reproach. Totally above reproach. He is expected to live closer to the Lord than anyone else or she. Pardon me if I don't put both, uh, ad, uh, both uh, pronouns in there. But if I say he, remember, I mean she as well. Someone, not me, came up with a list of downfalls of aspiring leaders. And I want, to, I want to give them to you. There are eight of them that causes leaders to fall. The first one that was in the list, and I don't know the author, is that leaders, aspiring leaders, fall when they become heedless of the opinions of others. And I'm going to editorialize a little bit as I go through these eight points. That is, they always, or nearly always, are thinking in terms of I and never of you, or of we. Secondly, leaders fall or fail when they become unlovely in their relationship to others. Thirdly, when they are keen observers of the faults of others. I want to editorialize on that one just a little bit if I might. I remember that Jesus gave us the story of the moat and the beam, which we could refer to as uh, something very heavy in the eye as opposed to a little speck. And the person said, you've got something in your eye, let me help, get, help you get it out. And Jesus said, first of all, take out the log, if I might use that word, out of your own eyes so that you can see clearly to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. Fourth, they are people who make, a uh, person who makes his standards equal the standards of the scripture. When a person believes that he is right in spite of what the scripture might say, that leader is about to fall. Fifth, he is about to fall when he becomes insensitive to the problems of others. Sixth, he is about to fall when he becomes self-centered. Seventh, when he assumes a position of superiority. You've all heard that 
In order to be a great leader, you must first learn to be a great follower. The failures of leadership, I think, are tied very, very strongly to this particular item in the list. There are lots of people who do not want to follow, only to lead. And those who cannot follow, we will discover, are not good leaders. And eight, they are about to fall when they meet opposition and their feelings get hurt. And then as a consequence of that, two things happen. And this is the subparagraphs to that point number eight that was given in the list. One is they take, they take one of two reactions. One, they have a, a case of self-pity and have a pity party. And you know about those. We've all had them. Or secondly, they become very belligerent. One of the two reactions frequently takes place when, uh, when a leader is about to fall because their feelings get hurt. And I had to squirm and twist when I read this list because I could see myself so many times in it. I hope you can maybe uh, get a perspective of your own life within that framework. If a person is going to be a leader, there are some necessities that must be present. And perhaps most of these I'm going to give you my own. Number one, a leader must always be in front, never behind. We must be ones out inspiring what people to do, not behind driving. It is a great herdsman who can go down the road calling his cattle and they will follow. It is a mere tender of herds that has the herd out in front and he is behind with the whip driving. I don't know the author and I have looked for it and I'm not sure now if it was a story, a poem or what it was, but it was called The Bridge Builder to the best of my knowledge. The gist of the story is, and some of you may may have it or remember it, that a man came to a river to cross and it was wide and very turbulent and he had extreme difficulty in crossing the river, but he succeeded. When he got on the other side, he stopped and he started building a bridge back across the river that he had come across. And someone said to him, why are you building the bridge? You've already accomplished getting across the river. And he said, I'm building the bridge that those who follow me will not have the difficulties that I had. That is a good leader. I think a good leader will do more, give more, pray more, and work more than anybody else. And unless a person is willing to do more, give more, pray more, and work more, he has some deficiencies in his leadership qualities. Sometimes the leaders of any organization and even the church are not those placed in position but those who are behind the scenes doing those things and being those things. And thirdly, I think that a good leader is one 
who is more concerned about the welfare of others than he's concerned about his own welfare. He will take whatever is given in order that the church and God might receive the glory in spite of personal dissatisfactions or problems or concerns. And fourthly, I think that a good leader will have self-control. In that area of self-control, I want to say four things, and then I'll get to the scripture, in case some of you thought I'd forgot about it. See, this is preacher's privilege to say what he, you know, wants to say. One, the faith of a leader must be unquestionable. There should be no doubt in the mind of anybody that he fully and deeply believes in and serves the Lord Jesus Christ without question. Secondly, that his integrity is uncompromisable. He is honest and forthright and we cannot find in his life inside or outside the church something that might compromise his integrity. Thirdly, he will receive criticism well. One who cannot receive criticism well has a deficiency in leadership qualities as far as I'm concerned and will not be in control of himself. And fourthly, and here's the point that James makes in the scripture, he'll have his tongue under control. James says that this tongue of ours is a, a very little thing, but it does great things. Verse 2, he says that for in many things we offend, and this is certainly true, we offend each other in many different ways. But he says, if any man offend not in word, that same man is a perfect man. And the word perfect there means mature. If a person can maintain his verbal expelling to the point of never being abusive uh, to the individual or group or whatever, then he has matured into or is maturing toward a person of leadership capabilities. He says that we should control or bridle the tongue in order that we might be able to control our whole being. He refers to the controlling of the tongue as to that which we do with horses when we put a bit in the mouth. I used to raise horses and I've been on the backs of many, many horses and there's one thing I discovered about it. Where the tongue goes, the tail ends up following. Did you know that? You don't go the other direction. A horse has a difficult time backing up, but he can go forward well under the direction of the bridle that is in his mouth. He says here's a great ship out on the sea with all kinds of torrents. That's talking about a person's life who has been uh, put in a position where everything is thrown at him and is he can control his environment and put his life down the path it's supposed to go by that bridle in his mouth that controls this little old flapper. That's what he says. 
So I think that we could say that our speech is the steering mechanism for our whole life. Therefore, we must be cautious as to how we do it. Someone has said it's better to be quiet and look ignorant than it is to speak up and remove any doubt. I think that's, I don't know who said that, it wasn't me. I will credit that to me. In verse 5, he said, the tongue is a little member, but it boasts great things. Isn't that amazing? I mean, our tongue can come up with the most outlandish boasting things. Um, Bob mentioned in our Sunday school class this morning uh, about the guy who catches the, I always catch the biggest fish when we go fishing. Uh, you know, we always do the greatest things. The tongue has a way of doing that. It can also kindle a tremendous forest fire that has difficulty being extinguished. It gets things out of control. He says that it will defile the entire body. Not only the body of the individual. There are two things that we need to notice here. The person who cannot control his tongue is ruining his own life. Number one, placing his reputation in jeopardy, causing people to distrust and pay no attention to and ignore because they don't know what they're talking about. Secondly, it will destroy, oftentimes, the very testimony of the church. that that person may perhaps be a member. All of you, like I, have had the experience, I'm sure, of watching a stone being thrown into a quiet pool of water. One of the things that I do when I go fishing, sitting my little john boat along the edge of the river or the lake, quietly fishing, the water's quiet, and here comes a guy right up that lake with the motor on that boat, Wide open, just like Sheila does, I know, every time she gets in that. And you know what? He's, he's having fun. So I calculate how long is it going to take before I'm going to be affected by his action. You know. Then my second question is, how long is it going to take before I settle back down to normal? And this is exactly what happens in a person's life, in the life of the church or wherever, that we are affected by the throwing of the pebble and make the ripples or by somebody roaring by with their mouth wide open just like the throttle and nut boat and we get the reaction going on and on and on until we wonder if it's ever going to quit. And it goes on for years and years and you folk are aware of that problem. It's because of the incapability of controlling one wee little piece of human flesh called the tongue that seems to, to get in the way and it defiles and causes all kinds of problems. All right, let's go down to verse 9 and 10 to quickly summarize here. He says that with this little instrument called the tongue, we do two things. We bless God with it and we curse man. Sometimes almost in the same breath. Praise God, that ordinary rascal. Or words worse. And you've heard them that I couldn't possibly speak from this pulpit. 
almost in the same breath. James said, to curse man is equal to cursing God. Read it there. We cannot be uh, verbally abusive to each other without being verbally abusive to God. And he concludes with saying there in verse 10, these things ought not so to be. Now, I didn't say all this. It's all right there in the book of James. What we need are men and women in the church who love the Lord Jesus Christ beyond anything else in the world and are willing to commit themselves to it. Out of that group of people, we'll find our leaders. Out of that group. Not those who say they're saved. Not those who say uh, all kinds of things in the praise of God. But those who demonstrate through the control of their life. That they indeed and in fact without question they will. They're not compromisable in any way. They have not placed themselves in a position where people could possibly doubt. They believe in and love the Lord and serve Him through the church without question. That's maturity in Christian leadership. And when people have reached that point, they've grown out of adolescence or childhood into Christian maturity. And from that group, we ought to select our leaders. That means we've got to be pretty selective. And sometimes it makes me shudder realize that upon the backs of the leaders of our church, our Sunday school, our auxiliary organizations, rests the responsibility of serving God with integrity until we're there, we're babies in Christ. What I'm saying is, let's together, you and I, all of us, grow up in the Lord. We might serve Him. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.